Rick Madison here, Rick and Friends, and a regular occurrence on the old Rick and Friends show is uh, Mr. Jeff Cox. Welcome to the big show again. Always a pleasure to be here. Love it. Uh, love it when you get all fired up. Hey, I, I do. I do. It just, it just, it just makes me happy. And and you and I both have that uh, texting back and forth when we see an issue that we go, man, we got to cover this on the show. So we've we've got a full agenda, and uh, I just want to make sure that we uh, we tackle it all. So let's dive in. First thing that uh, you had sent to me, which was pretty interesting, was uh, a stat research about. Nearly nine out of ten jobs created in public sector in 2021. So, the, so that's that was the headline was nearly nine out of ten were created in the public sector. Yeah, that seems high. Yeah. <laughs> well, it construes the math, is what it does, uh, because there's a lot of talk about how the economy is fine and and look at what we've done. And the reality is. Um, if you adjust for age population, the private sector has actually gone backwards by 1%. So we're actually shrinking. The only thing that's offsetting it is government jobs, which are paid for by your tax dollars. And that's the concern, right? Is is you look at this and go, um, it, it's not adding up if you're in our world or my world where you're going, something's not making sense here. Like we're being told one thing, the market's looking very different. Um, and and then this stat comes out that, that 9 out of 10 jobs have been created uh, I actually think the stat was since the start of the pandemic mm. have been created by public sector service jobs, which is kind of ironic as well, based on the fact that healthcare, uh, getting a passport, um, student visas are all pretty much a disaster. Well, that, that's the part that's uh, a bit troubling is the service should, like your life should grow incrementally as far as you know we should get some more benefits from that because public sector means okay there's more service being delivered to the citizens of canada right. which would be phenomenal but you're right with let's take passport offices or let's take any service <laughs> like honestly if you look across the board i don't think anywhere you're going wow i can't believe the service i'm being given right now it's just not, it's not, yeah, it's not there, let, let alone at a, at a government level. I, you know, I've kept this story pretty quiet, but so somebody claimed CERB um, fraudulently under my name. Um, and so I I phoned CRA and said, I didn't collect CERB. Well, are you sure? Oh, I'm pretty sure I didn't collect CERB. Don't qualify for CERB. So I didn't collect CERB. Um, well, anyway, get through, get put through the rigmarole and I say, listen, I didn't collect CERB. I'm, I'm, I need to, I need to know what's going on here. I have to shut everything down. They say they're going to get a hold of me. They send me a letter. Um, it's now on me to prove that I didn't collect it, despite fraud fraud being done on me because of their poor security system. I've got to file a claim with the uh, anti-fraud something of Canada. They got to get this claim number, and now I have to fax them, not email, not my account. I have to fax them proof of ID, proof that I live where I live, a, a multitude of things to prove that I didn't do it. I've tried to do this number of times now, and they keep telling me the same thing. We can't read. We can't read your document. I'm like, you're asking me to fax it to you. Of course, you can't read my document. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even own a fax machine. I'm like, I have to get to go. I have to go to state. Like, who owns a? Uh, excuse me. Do you have a photostat machine? I would. Yeah, for a dollar, you can use it. I mean, I mean, it's insanity, right? But it will, but what's weird is that you have to prove it right. versus. 
I, I would think that they would have access to bank records and going, which account do we send this to? And maybe we'll, let's just work backwards from that. Let's reverse engineer what happened here. Fraudulent claim. Thank you, Citizen Cox, for helping us with this. Uh, none of that. No, listen, we don't get it. We don't like it that you are causing us a lot of consternation and and they're they're absolutely pushing it back on you. I find that hilarious. But the crazy part is they phone you and they say, you know, I need to speak with Jeff Cox. Well, I'm I'm Jeff Cox. You have my number on file. Obviously, you've called me, right? Like this is the rigmarole that I think is hilarious. Well, can you can we need to confirm it's you? Can you tell us your social insurance number? I'm, I'm like, no, I'm not telling you my social insurance. Well, if you can't tell us your social insurance number, we can't confirm it's you. I'm like, the insanity, right? These are the jobs that are being created, serb chasers. What what I'm also interested in is if nine out of 10 jobs, and you got to think that that's a huge amount of jobs. I, I actually couldn't find the number. So yeah. I, I, and that's what I find very odd. So they talk about 9.4%, nine out of 10 jobs. I can't for the life of me find what is the number? What is that number? So is it is it just, let's just even say optics for the liberal party to say, We've created these jobs. The economy's doing well. Like, could that be the source of this? Was there a massive exodus prior to the pen? Like, I'm just trying to figure out because it just seems like this an, is job creation, though. An ungodly amount of, of jobs. This is not new hires. This is job creation. Job creation is defined differently than replacement, right? Mm -hmm. And and so and and for our for essentially for our economy and GDP to move forward the way we want it to, you have to have job creation. What you can't have is nine out of 10 of them being created in the public sector while the private sector is going backwards. It's one more piece, no different than the debt and the other challenges that we've had, that's adding to, to the, the, the situation that, that this entire country is in. Mm -hmm. I think, listen, I could probably live with it if, if our government services were getting better. But like that's kind of the irony of it, right, is, is airports are a disaster, Getting a passport is backlog. They say six weeks. Seventy-two percent of Canadians get their passport in six weeks. That's their that's their proud motto. And today. you and you have to prove the fact that you're traveling. Like it has to be urgent in order for them to even reply to that. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, you have to prove when you're flying. Yeah. So and then you get into things like Nexus is not even being talked about right now. Oh yeah, don't even try. That's that's off the table. Mm -hmm. Um. And healthcare, which is a provincial model, but what art ultimately falls under to me is is still regular, like still still given directive from the federal government, is in shambles. So I think that's the struggle. You create nine out of ten jobs to do what, right? And and so we had uh, Kevin Falcon on the program, and he was talking about um, the NDP has hired a hundred thousand people in the public sector in BC since the start of the pandemic. So it's certainly a trend. And again, that's his stat, not my stat. Yep. So I haven't fact checked that, but it seems like there was a very, there was a huge hiring fair, which was interesting given the fact that a lot of the economy was being rolled backwards. And, and then we talk about deficit, like this government, federal government, spent more than all the previous governments combined, which I find also alarming. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that itself. I think we've many people have been ringing the alarm bells um, for 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 a long time that hey, let's not just cut blank checks here. Let's like we we know enough to know enough, right? Um, let's not move forward with this. I, from the government, the other piece of this though that with with the government hiring is 
it actually would prove why there's so much pressure in the private workforce right now to, to, to fill backfill jobs. If they're being picked up by, I, I mean, nine out of 10 jobs is being filled at a, at a government level. No wonder we can't find anybody to work. Mm. You know, I, I read a really interesting stat or, or, or was presented a very interesting stat around minimum wage. And, and again, um, listen, I believe people should should be able to live and, and I don't want to see people in poverty. You don't want to see people in poverty. I, I recognize there's social safety nets that we need um, to help progressively create a better society. But Switzerland has a 20, $27 um, minimum wage. And a Big Mac's twenty three bucks. Like, like it. <laughs> that's the piece that they that the ND, the provincial NDP seem to be missing from all this is, is like again this idea of adding these jobs and and some of the things they're doing to the private sector, um, creating this this inflation trend that's been out of control is, you're not you're not actually helping anybody get a get ahead, right? But because I I think it's the financial modeling that and and. The research that you found and probably the stuff that I've seen would support the theory that the minimum wage threshold, and, and again, I think it's well-meaning, I really do, but it does target, it, it ends up hurting the most vulnerable people, which are the people we're trying to raise up. True. And and what would bother me about that is, you know, take for example, um, uh, Psychopath Bike Shop. He says, okay, so I can, I can choose... Every, everyone's getting this this massive wage, which, and he says, some people are, it's not one and one equals two, it's one plus a half because that employee is not trained. Yep. They're not valuable. They're not productive assets for our company. And then all of a sudden you go on top of that. And now he can't pay his, his senior people that are pulling the slack of the juniors. And now you have this discord and that doesn't make for a great medium, small to medium sized business either. So we have this, this compounding effect that minimum wage creates. And it's it's almost like they have the mandate, they have the agenda, and I want to think about the the carbon tax as well. We have to we have to go with party lines. So that's what we're going to do. Not even paying attention to the data. That's overwhelming. We're just gonna we're just gonna ignore that for the moment because this is what we said we were going to do regardless. And and I think that's driving voters crazy is they're like you do you have an, a vision or a thought of what's going on currently? Do you have any any sense? Do you have the internet? <laughs> like, I wonder, because that does seem to be completely, uh, I don't know, it, it just seems like they're not being mindful of what's going on. I believe if there was an election today, it would be a hard majority in the, in the at a federal level in the form of the conservatives. Provincially, I, I I think Kevin needs to find his feet before, and he has some time, mm-hmm. but he's going to have to start showing better, I'm going to say. And I don't know if it's just not that he's not been able to be in the public eye, um, but I think provincially, there's they're, they got to catch up. They do, um, yeah. Um, I think federally, uh, despite what any poll says, I think it would landslide. Uh, and, and again, go back to 2015. I mean, I mean, it appeared to be neck and neck, and, and Trudeau swept that across the country and i believe that today would be the same thing it would go the other way i think people are tired of uh, people in the west for sure and we know you know well, essentially what's it called uh trudeau must go yeah, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> and even his half stepbrother or whatever says he's got to go, which I find awesome. <laughs> so rad. He also defines himself as an OG crypto. What was his line, man? That was amazing. OG cryptocurrency. I was I was just like, this is this is so awesome. The guy hashtag Trudeau must go. It's his half brother. That's unbelievable. When your own family gangs up on you. Oh, it's time to sing Queen. Um, let's uh, let's talk because this was a, a a big subject for locally around the old uh, around the old pub. We're having a tipping a pint, and uh, the talk came of the national holiday for the Queen, and uh, and there was a. Uh, someone from the the legal world sitting there and they said we had to pay our staff more just so that they would get the work through because um a law firm has a lot of support staff and, mm -hmm. and people moving paper around that kind of thing we had to pay them more to work from home just to get through the work that we were doing and he said a lot of the the partners were at the office the associates weren't and we just we had to keep working and and a comment was made that uh, a lot of the government workers were off. A lot of, obviously, those people that were virtue sig sig signaling were off. But the people that it, it was supposed to have an impact on all had to still work. <laughs> like the, We were all supposed to enjoy this, this well, commemorate this, this queen. And I think a lot of people had it was hitting small and medium sized businesses because that just hits your bottom line. It's a, it's a, like I, I feel like a broken record about this stuff, but it's like the fact, and I'm going to pin this right on Trudeau. Like the fact he is so out to lunch um, with what the day to day challenges are in the private sector is mind blowing to me. So so it's whatever it was a week after a week after Labor Day, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, 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 two weeks after a summer where, I, I mean, in all sincerity, and I don't blame people. I mean, we went through a long two years. You could not find somebody in August. They were, everybody was on vacation, to be sincere. Like it was, and, and, and I get it. People are done and they are now feel comfortable to travel and see family and do the things that they were told they couldn't do. To call that holiday, but to half-bake it, I actually probably would have been we would have been better off if he just said, it's, it doesn't matter who you are, today's holiday. But what he does is he says, oh, we're just going to take care of this group of people, right? And, and they just don't understand the waterfall that happens when they do that. So the minute the teachers don't go to work is the minute that my staff, six days with six days notice, get told, hey, your kid's not going to school on Monday. Mm -hmm. So then they have to come out and say, hey, I can't work Monday. I don't have childcare. Okay. So again, to your point, so whether we're talking about processing or, or admin or like everything shuts down and with no plan for it. Like, and this is the part where we are hanging on by our fingernails as, as a generalization, the private sector is hanging on by their fingernails. And it's just like, they just keep like, Hey, don't let's just wrench them one more time and see if they let go. It's fatiguing. And, and it's true too, when you talk about the, the kids being out of school, um, that creates a massive load. And, and a lot of the people, when you talk about hanging on by the fingertips, it is true for a lot of families where that added day of childcare adds a lot of, of pressure on a lot of people's finances right. in, a, in massive inflation times. So you have this, again, tone deaf 
prime minister who does a horrible rendition of Bohemian Rhapsody, by the way. And he just seems to continually just throw the weight against these businesses going, I wonder if this will break them. It feels, it does feel that way though, you know, because you're right. People walk in your office and go, listen, I can't afford to take the day off, but I don't know what to do. I, I can't, I don't have childcare. So guess what happens? We, the private sector fits the bill, like foots the bill. And, and that's the part that, again, if you go back over the past five years, provincially and federally, um, allocated sick days, which again, listen, we all had sick day policies. I don't like, all it did is open it up now for more manipulation. We've picked up 2% premium health tax for, for, for most of us. And again, we paid MSP before. It was not it was not net neutral. So so break that down for a lot of people because you're uh, qualified to do so. I, I think that 2%, a lot of people, they hear 2% and they don't completely comprehend what that what that weight is. So, yeah. So just, just kind of break it out for uh, us troglodytes who don't really know what 2% means. So 2% of payroll, and it was a sliding scale. So, so I, I mean, if you had half a million dollars of payroll, I don't think you pay, you pay any, um, any of the, any of the healthcare premium tax. Well, I know you don't. Okay. So, but that's, I, I mean, half a million dollars of payroll. Well, it's pretty simple math. I mean, it's not even 10 people. Uh, right at sixty thousand dollars a year, you're in the six to eight category. Um, it slides up from there um, to a million, but but the reality is, for most companies, um, it is a two percent two percent payroll tax, which means for every million dollars that you have in payroll, you are now allocated. You're now allocating another two percent CPP OAS, everything else you pay WCB now two percent of every million is going to to fund healthcare to fund M, to, it was the MSP tax that we were that we were allocated before the thing is for for about 50% of employers mm-hmm. they already paid that on behalf of their on behalf of their employees but it wasn't an, it wasn't an, it wasn't net neutral so it wasn't a wash it almost doubled um, when we made the shift to the premium tax so so we saw we our 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 costs went up by, by double, the minute we move from paying MSP on behalf of the employees to paying it as a premium tax, and and that just continues to just weigh down the financial plan. And and again, I think when you talk about planning, and let's say that you know you're dealing with uh, your accountant, and the accountant says, "What's your five year plan?" Well, I would I would almost suggest going to the government and saying, "What's your five year plan?" <laughs> Because because I would like to find out what you are going to download on on me as a business so that I can figure out how to to get that back from the cost of goods, mm-hmm. from the shipping costs that have gone up exponentially, from the gas tax, from the carbon tax. Like, I mean, at some point, the business has got to go, wait a second, how am I supposed to do a, a proper cost analysis and projection if you continue to do this to me? And and I, I don't really, I, I can't, get blindsided all the time by these these increases i mean i don't know the stat cold but you get back to 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 justin's queen holiday there i i'm pretty sure i'm not far off it was i believe is that that day cost the canadian economy 524 billion dollars i'm pretty sure that's correct number so so and and that's the other part too that that i guess uh well i have several problems of course (laughs) but when you 
when you survey people, and, and again, I, I did this in my house with my daughter, and I said, what, what did the queen's passing mean to you? And she said, oh, the one on the bills? And I said, yeah, yeah, the one on the bills. <laughs> and, and that was really that ripple effect. And again, is she, in, is she part of her history, part of her legacy? Yes. Sure. Do we want to commemorate her in our own ways? Probably. But I just think we're going holiday happy with this prime minister. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, I think the question is when uh, I, listen, I think if you look down at the U S they probably don't, they don't have maybe enough paid stats. Like again, I don't, I'm not, I, I have a social conscience. I do believe this is a little bit to do with how of our makeup. My question is when is enough enough? So we added family day. I, I don't even know when that was right. Um, um, Truth and reconciliation day, which died in the Senate, although federally it's still, it's still, it's still going again. It puts us, it, it puts, um, it puts business owners, private sector business owners in a very sticky situation. There's no winning there. Um, and again, not that truth and reconciliation day, um, should not exist. I think there's some, there's some serious, um, need for a day that honors indigenous people, but family day doesn't mean any, like what, what's family day, Rick? Uh, Netflix. So like, could we, could we have not, right? Yeah. Could we have not could we have not found a place? Could we have not maybe maybe kept that one neutral? Um, and, and and again, I, I think you're right on the sense that uh, families families need a, a day, but I'm not sure I'm not sure you need to just this overarching power to create these these days. And and again, I'm not sure who originated the day. I'm not going to lay that at the feet of our current government you know i'm not going to do that but i i do think you're right at at some point you have to understand that uh having kids out of school that during the pandemic especially when you had kids out of school a lot of families were just they were literally hanging on by a thread because you have all this pressure on you you have a lot of latchkey kids that are just at home because the parents fundamentally can't afford to have someone look after them correct and there's all of this, and and then the the mental side of that. Anyway, it, it just it just keeps going on. Let's uh, let's talk about the good news. Reversal on arrive can <laughs> wasn't that good? I was on a plane on the weekend. It was uh, like here's the thing that kills me too. What like we were just obviously having a lot of fun with it coming coming home yesterday. Short flight to Seattle, but it's like really like what like you're telling me. I needed to do it yesterday, but it's going to be safe to do it on Saturday. It's like, it's just, it's, it's just lunacy, right? The other part that's just, I mean, right now, I, I, and this is the thing, I don't think a lot of people, uh, I mean, a lot of the travel that, that I have to do is business related. Some of it's pleasure less these days with a young family, but like the, the, uh, the craziness of not wearing a mask, checking in, hitting security, putting it on. And I mean, if you don't put it on, you are being like, it's, it's the eighties and I'm, and I'm getting yelled at by a hockey coach. Right. And I'm like, what is going on here? Right. And then you wear it. Right. And I mean, they tell you 27 times that you're going to wear it until they serve you peanuts and a drink and then it comes off. And so you have a 45 minute flight. The first 15 minutes you, you have to wear it. 
the next 20 minutes, you don't, right? <laughs> like, like you, you see what I'm saying? And then, and then whatever's left, the five or 10, 10 minutes, and the girl walks by and goes, excuse me, put your mask up. And you're like, this is crazy. But it is. I'm serious. I mean, it's laughable. But it's like, if you if you can actually sit there, if someone's listening to sit there and go, this guy's an idiot. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. You can't, you can't justify that and say, well, we're safer. I mean, if you are... I, like, I don't even know. I think you're lost. It was, it's not, it's nuts, man. It's nuts. Well, if you're sitting down and if you're eating food, you're okay. Yeah. That, nope. That's where no flu is prevalent. Right. That's for sure. And, and that's what they're trying to tell you. And that's, that is a lot of fun. I, I still enjoy your story in, in Italy where on the international stage, Canada is seen as just zealots. Like just, you guys are lunatics. <laughs> Because internationally, people go, what? Oh, oh, that's so cute. You're still doing that. Like, that's really the attitude towards Canada right now. And I, I honestly wonder if you were to do a survey across the world, how do you feel about Canada's mandates right now? A lot of people would go, you're still doing that, hey? Well, they, yeah. I, and again, the, 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 the irony is, if you actually were, if you, if you go back and um, go in chronological order of of this thing, this government was a government that would not, at a time when we actually could have used some restrictions and mandates, they would not stop flights from India, they would not stop flights from England, despite the fact the world knew that this is how it was spreading, and they were like, we can't do that. And and, and uh, on the the backs of it being racist or like, it was so odd. It was like, what? I don't, what does that have to do with anything? Like it, we, you know, and again, I just, it's lunacy. And like, I'm sure people think that if, if you were to listen to me on a regular basis, think like this guy's just a like liberal conspiracy theorist. But honestly, like these are real factual things that happen. Like you look back at their chronological order of how they treated this pandemic. And it was like, they could have made significant inroads early that would have actually probably curbed some of the challenges we had. And now they won't let it go. Well, I think it's almost like they had an overcorrection. Like they went, you know what? We were caught with our pants down, but now, now we are really going to go after it. And then, and, and going back to the the Queen's Day there, I was thinking <laughs> that there was an overcorrection on, because during the conservative leadership, there was a lot of talk about, you know, we'd, we'd sadly like to announce the the passing of the queen yep. and that kind of thing. And I think they, they wanted to overcorrect and go, well, you think you are sad about the queen? <laughs> well, I'm going to sing Bohemian Rhapsody and I'm going to create a national holiday. Within a week, that is going to create ripples through the business community. Like that, that's almost what happened was, okay, you got us, but now we're really going to show you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you sent me a text about the uh, the hypocrisy of of Yagmeet talking about, <laughs> and and he's pointing fingers and and grasping at straws. But I I do find it uh, and and if and if you if you're not sure, we do like the conservatives on this show. But I I do find the hypocrisies a bit much. Oh, and I I mean actually I think you gave me you gave me an earful when I was like. Sammy talking about how the provincial NDP did a reasonable job and then to take it back. I don't know what show that was, but I, I mean, listen, I think if you go back and I think this is the key to life, I, as much as I am right leading, I really try and keep my, my hands on the center bar. 
because I think we're better off we do so. And I think if we can reach over the aisle and say, hey, listen, like, I get it. We've we've got some common ground here. We're willing to make concessions. Unfortunately, right now, there's no that's there's there's no room for that. And and again, I get it. You know, when time passes, um, um, you know, we tend to always remember remember the good. Right. Um, like all of a sudden, George Bush Jr. there, whatever W or whatever he is, is like he's a reasonable president after after Trump. Right. And that was a disaster. Right. And all of a sudden we're like, you know, it was a good guy, George Bush. So I'm getting to all my point here is like I didn't Jack Layton, I thought was a very reasonable person. Mm-hmm. I thought Jack Layton, I don't agree with some of his policies or his views. But listen, the guy got it and and, and he made sense and he did what was right. Um, Jagmeet Singh is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And that's the part that I don't get out there. Like, this is the irony, right? Is like, I'm watching Pierre Polyev, who was raised by teachers. He was adopted. His wife is an immigrant. He, he, you can tell when someone connects to the struggle when they're honest and you're like, yeah, that guy gets it. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't get that vibe from Jagmeet. Right. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a situation I find myself in when I'm, when I'm listening to Jagmeet speak. Well, I think he's got excellent taste in uh, timepieces as well. Yeah, and that's the part that kills me the most. He loves to wear um, ridiculous watches and 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 pose in magazines where he's got he's got thousand dollar suits on and talk about he's in it for the in it for the small folk. Like, I'm sorry, but that just doesn't line up to me. The other piece is too is is that he is um, holding this government together. Uh, he is. He is the catalyst. The government can fall tomorrow, but he won't do it. But yet then he's out there being extremely critical of them. And I'll give you the best piece. He, he, he said they are going to put a dental program in by 2023, which is rolling up on us pretty quick here, or he'll, or, or he'll topple it. There will be consequences. Well, here's the deal. There's no dental program. There's a $650 check if you make under $70,000 a year. And again, it's very Serb-like. It's, it's, you need to provide us with the dentist you're going to and the time, and you better keep your receipts because we might audit you, right? So you're setting people up to run the risk of, listen, if you're trying to make ends meet and there's a $650 check, you know, what are you going to do? Feed your kids or take them to the dentist. If, if that's the situation you're in, I, I mean, it's crazy. And here's the thing, despite them saying that there's no solution that could be implemented that quickly... I call total crap on it. There is so. In fact, you could have used um, any of the major insurers that exist in Canada. You very easily could have had them register for the program and the bent, the dentist can bill them direct and you could have easily negotiated somewhere between a 4 and 6% adjudication fee. It, it would have been the most simplistic way to run that program. Could it be launched today? You're telling me if, if, if Trudeau phoned Jeff McCowan, head of Candle Life, and said, I got a program I need in place. You don't think that would have happened? It would have happened in a heartbeat and would have been ran very well. Same thing if he would, if, if he would have, if he would have phoned um, Soviet Sun or, or if he was, goes down the list, um, Manu, Green Shield. There's a, there are 26 competent companies that could have ran that dental program and could ha- have it up running for January 1, but they're not doing it. They're going to give a checkout and then they're going to say, you better keep your receipts because we might call you on it. And it seems like the they're they're really going after the optics on writing a check. 
They like, love mean, it. They that is the grandest stage for them. Is you get a government of Canada like it's right there <laughs> with a picture of Trudeau on the back, kind of thing. I'm yeah. just kidding about that last part, but it it does seem like that is they want the grandstand of writing the check, and that's the only way because they don't want to hide it through systems or providers or anything else like that. They want to see the mailboxes alight with that check. And here's the thing: I don't disagree. It's no different than healthcare. I have no problems with providing dental care to families that need it, but don't do it in the form of a check. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got failure written all over it. You have you have private enterprise that could easily adjudicate this program for you, and you're choosing to ignore it. I think kids should be in the dentist. I mean, I mean, listen, you can. I, there are any program that's run correctly um, that 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 again things like dental programs give kids confidence, allows them to go to school and feel more comfortable, allows them to smile. I mean, I mean, and again, you can get into the psychoanalytics of this, but the reality is these programs are healthy if they're done correctly, but cutting a check is not the answer. And I, and I will be very interested to see in a year or two from now when somebody at the Toronto Sun digs into this and says, hey, 32% of that money actually went to dentists. And people are going to, can you believe that? I can because I know it's what's going to happen. And it's unfortunate. Well, and, and for a lot of people, what's going to get uh, that money first? Is it going to be your rent? Is right. it going to be the the dentist? Which, and I'm afraid to say that that's going to be a lower priority. And uh, it was it was widely talked about in in Parliament of where's the money going to go. But if you actually coordinate it, where they could just walk into a dentist's office and have teeth cleaned, 100% of the dollars would go to what it needs to go to. But if it's got to go into a bank account that's already in overdraft and that money might get you through the next couple of weeks, it's not a dental benefit. And again, that's its own issue. I'm not, I'm not dismissing that. But, but if you're going to create a dental benefit, create a dental benefit. Don't hand out, don't hand out Trudeau bucks again. Like, why do we do payroll deduction for taxes? Because they know if they left it in the hands of, of society, they wouldn't get anything. And, and it's ironic that they're not going to apply that here, right? And, and, and there will be a number, and I bet it's below 50% of that dollars will not actually go to dental. It does seem like there's uh, there would be an uptick in the economy, though, because uh, as you know, that there's some people that will take that money and uh, try to turn it into something at, at some of the local gambling spots. Like, really? That... That's the part I have problem with is is whenever this money seems to to filter down through and and then on the other side, I'm one of those people that's always paranoid when I get a check from the government because I know on this hand I get this like I said a check in the mail, but over here your taxes are going to go up because that costs money to give you that check. So I I, I think we have enough. Maybe some jaded people out there that go, well, if I get a check over here, where, where's the other shoe? Because it's, well, it's out there. And the, and, the, and the reality is anytime they send us, a, you know, you get a check, it's costing, and I don't get checks from the government very often, but, but if I do, if it's for $100, then it costs me 150 to, to have the check written, right? And, that, and that's your point. But, and that's why I said, what, why, if you want to create it, like, again, I will actually sign up for this and say, hey, I'm in support of it. Right-leaning, conservative, but I'm saying I can support a dental program for impoverished uh, or households under the age of, of, of double income under the under ninety thousand, double income under seventy thousand. No problems. I'm on board, but go to a dental program, mm-hmm. a dental program that private enterprise 
can go out and do better than any government ever can and, and at a lower cost. And they have the system set up to do so. Ready to go. Yeah. Ready to go. Just roll it out. Yeah. Um, the, this has been problematic, came up locally, and it's the, uh, the opioid epidemic where we had, I think it was five people passed overnight, um, and it was... In nine hours. Yeah, and it was troubling because, you know, you don't often see the amount of coverage on this, but I, I think if you were to dive into the archives, you would see that the problem was was more widespread and you've been a big advocate of the fact that there's a real pandemic and that's and it and it wasn't the other one it was it was this the opioid epidemic that just doesn't seem to be slowing down at all why well, the sad part is it's the age of this pandemic right um, you know 20 to 59 mostly male 75% male mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think the part two for people, you know, if you don't have a scope or understanding, um, of, of this, it's not, I still believe people, well, less and less, because I think they're starting to be affected because it's starting to come into their homes. But, but this is not, um, quote unquote junkies on the street, Mm -hmm. as they say, uh, which is a, which is a bad stereotype in itself. This is kids dying in, in their parents' homes that are, that are, messing around with drug use and 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 I'm not going to throw stones from a glass house right because I was a teenager and I was in my 20s too and so you're not talking about people that are are shooting heroin in their arm you're talking about people that are granted using lots of drugs I don't condone it but the reality is the war on drugs have been on for thousands of years um, for sure hundreds of years um, you know Reagan Reagan Put more pressure on it, you know, just say no. The, mm-hmm. the reality is we've been fighting this fight and it's not working. And now kids I know, family, friends are dying. And that, when are we going to wake up and go, what are we going to do? And and I think there's a, a part of this too. And and you and I were chatting about the, the Bill Maurer uh, episode where he was talking about how, how males in society have, have somewhat been, um, well, they, they've been, I want to. I don't want to say pushed away, but there's a there's a real fear out there, especially in the U.S. That you know they have some stats that that males are just continually getting uh, pushed down from society, and and what I mean by pushed down is ignored. Um, there's a lot of uh, identity crisis with males, mm-hmm. and they're saying that a society that has that going on with the the male structure, the male psyche, that does not bode well for violent crime, uh, for person-on-person crime. Like there's there's a lot of, of issues that fall away from that. And and they were just drawing light to this saying, you know, if you look at the depictions in movies and TV shows and cable, you know, there's always the the big dopey guy and, and then the smart female who kind of straightens him out. And, and they were just talking about this has a ripple effect down through society into the youngest males. And they had some sort of stat where three out of five males walking down the streets in the U.S., three have not had any sexual relationship with a woman yet, and they're in their thirty, mm-hmm. in their thirties. And they said, and and the the I remember the studio audience laughed, and I remember thinking, whoa, wait a second, that's not a great 
stat. Like, I, I don't know where, you know, because obviously he's, he's comedy mixed with, with a political <laughs> slant, but yeah, yeah. It, it still seems like in the opioid epidemic here locally, seems like that's almost a derivative of that issue. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I think it is. I I think um, I think males typically are, are more lonely, feel more disconnected, um, a little bit um, disenfranchised on 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 their future. Um, these are challenges that that can push and use to to even just play around with drugs, right? It's, it's an escape. Mm-hmm. What my concern is, is why is the government not treating this pandemic as serious or more serious than the one we just went through? What, wh- why? And again, I, I like this, this is a, it's a very, um, this is, this is a, you got to be very careful as you speak about these things. Right. But when you actually measure, um, you're careful. I, I've never <laughs> seen you as careful. <laughs> I'm pretty careful. I try my best. <laughs> well, and I wonder too if Adrian Dix is going to phone every one of those families that lost somebody to to yeah, an like he went on Twitter and apologized every day for the, for for the five 88 year olds that died. And don't get me wrong, I have a grandmother and I have a grandfather, and they live in a home and all those things. I'm not, but like, but they've lived a great life, and and we shut our world down for two years to try and save them, um, and we're not doing a damn thing to try and save. 30 year olds that have a huge future and can change our world and can be part of society. Um, instead, you know, we're, we're, we're letting them die. And that's the part I don't, I just don't understand. I don't understand how Adrian Dix or Bonnie Henry sleeps tonight and says, that's okay. Well, they're not uh, throwing, I, I don't think the resources or, I mean, let's face it, they were shutting down businesses and schools <laughs> and, and then the stats did not really help that whole narrative. But anyway, that's that's a whole other thing. Um, I want to talk a bit about the uh, on our street in Lower Mission. I always drive by these signs that say hire back the heroes. And and it's basically, uh, we have a healthcare issue. We're short staff. We have shortages. A friend of mine who's dealing with cancer, he waited 16 hours one night and 14 hours another night in the emergency room at the hospital. And, uh, and based on the fact that, you know, and, and the doctor said, I'm so sorry, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of running thin and I'm not, I'm not blaming healthcare, the, the people working there, cause I think they're doing their best. But I, I, I do often wonder when you see that amount of pushback where Adrian Dix or Bonnie Henry are sitting there going, yeah, no, you, you did not get vax. So you are not coming back to work. Yeah. It seems like a, a vendetta hard hill to die on, right? Um, I don't get it either. I don't get it. If we need healthcare workers, um, we we need to train healthcare workers. So so what? And again, as of Saturday, um, you don't need to be vaccinated to come into this country. Um, but yet we're gonna we're gonna keep keep these people out. I I don't I won't get it. I'll, I'll never get it. Um, you yeah, know. that one's that one's troubling to me because uh, you're right. Federally, you would think that they would almost admit that, okay, maybe we were a little bit strong there and, and now we're going to pull that back a little bit. But it seems like this is a grudge by Mr. Dix and he is not letting go of it anytime soon. Right. A grudge that's that's costing lives when you come back. To Every it. day. And I'm with you, man. I have a family member who should be um, receiving probably at the very minimum some long-term care right now, um, but arguably could be in the hospital. And he's not. He's at home. 
and being taken care of by someone that's not in a position to take care of him, which is causing pain there too. And I, I just go, yeah, there's no answer. There's no solution, right? I think um, you raised a good point though, and and that is there's experienced people that and you and I don't care who you are, but if you have ten years on the hospital floor, and it's tough to replace that with somebody with one or two years experience, hundred percent. And and so what you have is this this disparity when it comes to service and to care, and and you cannot just turn the switch and go. That person who just got out of nursing school is going to be able to take up the reins. It just well, doesn't happen that way. It's but it's fundamentally broken. And and this is the part, Rick, that I don't understand is we have to start accepting as a society that we're going to have a two two tiered healthcare system. And and again, I am for socialized medicine. I do not think it should be how you were born that allows you as a as a seven year old or seven year old to get cancer treatment. I'm I am born in Canada. I have been raised in Canada, and I do believe that everyone should have equal access to healthcare. But the reality is, right now they don't. And so that's the part that I find bizarre. Um, and 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 again, even with to very leftist governments in power, we're still going the wrong direction. I mean, virtual healthcare in the private industry is is booming right now. There are multiple options for private healthcare for for private doctor visits. Again, being put on who the employer. So employers are now being forced to pick up this benefit um, at a cost per employee per month, so that their employees can access healthcare um, and 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 live a viable life. I mean, that's the part that's 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 crazy about this is like we're doing it in every front, and they're like, no two tiered healthcare. What you're doing it now? It's just it's all the spin on it, right? So if 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 you're willing to do if you're willing to let that happen, I just I'm trying to find out the line of why you won't let someone pay to get an MRI, right? And again, if if by having someone pay to get an MRI, it frees a spot up for someone else to get one through the public system, what's the problem? Especially when there's a lineup for it and people have an appetite for it. Right. Like, I mean, you know, if, if there's certain people in, who have the resources and they have that, that willingness and it's going to build an economy, and again, that two-tiered system does build an economy on both sides – I think make room like it's it's almost user base really it's user fee based and listen there is there are there are can we already have the fundamentals in this country to create a, 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 a again a system paid for by the government so socialized model healthcare but allow it to be privatized so service so says well you can't privatize healthcare because you're just gonna you're gonna attract all the all the good doctors and nurses way. Or you're going to attract good doctors and nurses from other countries. Mm-hmm. So, so that could be step one. Step two is if all private healthcare has set up as a not-for-profit, so everything has to get poured back into the system. Blue Crosses across the country, Pacific Blue Crosses is a not-for-profit, right? So, so, so you take that model and you apply it to healthcare, and then you you deny no one coverage. So as long as you have a BC medical card, you can walk in anywhere, anytime, and the government has to pay the reasonable and customary rate that exists. So again, in our war, in the world of private healthcare, RNCs already exist. Reasonable and customary is a standard for massage, for physio, for Cairo, um, for dentists. Um, all of we we have what we call a reasonable and customary guide that applies across the healthcare spectrum. So what you do is you walk in as a private citizen to a private not-for-profit hospital and they cannot deny you coverage 
and they can build a reasonable customary rate for the for, for what you need to have done. Tell me where the breaking point is. Tell me what is going to attract doctors to one place or the other. And again, if the if the province today is is willing to put four people in a room or two people in a room or whatever their standard is, set your standard. If if that hospital wants to charge a hundred dollars extra for somebody to eat steak and lobster at every meal, again, what what it's not changing today's outcome. We're not treating people differently. If you can up buy services to get better faster, like again, this is what the government's willing to pay for today. No one's getting coverage, right? Like this is a thing. Like so, here's the deal: you can live under that model that I've just explained, where where you're going to have access. And again, if you and the and the government says these are the things that are for 100 going to be covered, right? Now, if you want a private room and and, a, and an upgraded meal plan, totally your call. We're gonna set we're gonna set standards for what the meal plan is. I've been in KGH lately. Don't look don't look too hot to me. Okay, so there are solutions that can exist for this program, but, but we ignore them. But the problem is is that what's currently happening right now is not working. Like I mean, at um, all. I I told that that story of my friend whose daughter was was sick and and they literally said, "Is there any way you can bring us bring?" to us because you know and, and and they were apologetic and they said we we just can't get up there and and after like that is just makes me cringe as a father going if i cannot like i feel like a developing country right now like it feels like man if, if we don't get this thing cleared up it's going to take a high profile <clears throat> incident to really draw attention to this. Cause right now it's just being, it feels like it's just kind of bubbling underneath the surface. And I think, it's, I think I, to be clear too, no, I'm not attacking healthcare workers at all. I mean, if I was, I'd be attacking half my family. Then I'd be Justin Trudeau's brother <laughs> and I'm not. They're hardworking people just like any other industry, 99% of them go there and put their head down and do more than they expected of them. Right. And um, that's not the issue. The, that's that's what we're trying to fix is let these people take a breath and let them do their job and 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 again I'm I'm with you on that point it's not this is not a healthcare worker issue this is this is a systemic government issue mm -hmm. weighed down by bureaucracy I mean if you go across the world our healthcare system is well funded that's not our challenge it really isn't no and we are for the record we're not we're I, we're going to be a little bit ahead of a developing country. But I mean, if you stack our healthcare up against the services that exist in the U.S., we are 50 years behind. Mm -hmm. And that's what a two-tiered system could look like is the amount of resources and research and all that. All that comes with that is also another side of that, too. Um, real quick, uh, municipal election. Who's in and who's out? Ooh. Come on. Make, make, your, make your predictions, if you can, as it stands today. So on the councillor side, incumbents? Um, I would say Loyal will get a seat back. Mm -hmm. um, Ryan Don. Um, Ryan Don's not running. Oh, he's not? He's not running. Oh, my apologies. Sorry. Uh, I think... Brad's out. Brad's out. And right. I apologize. I'm not totally... I'm I'm so... On the, I'm not... I, I've got to do some research this week on a, on a few things. I can tell you this. I'm not enamored by this election, to be honest with you. I, again, I think I, I, you know, listen, Mohini, Max, I'm, I think we'll get their seats back. 
I think Rick Weber, Rick Weber will probably get in. Ron um, Cannon probably will. Ron Cannon will get in. That I would say that's not even a that deceits his. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't even think that'll be challenged. Charlie Hodge would be an interesting one because you know the the poor guy is battling health issues and I'm shocked that he's running again. Yeah, and I do think he'll get in. Uh, and, and again, I think this is where you'll see some significant change over the next four years before we go into the next election is I think you're going to start seeing um, parties form with, I think we're big enough now where we have to understand people's platforms because right now we're playing a popularity contest and with no offense to Rick Reverend. name recognition. That's right. Yeah. And that's what I mean. But like, so yeah. I don't know Rick at all. I would know him to see him. Because he did the news when I was a kid. I think on his platform it says, I read the news so I understand the news or something like that, which and, I find a little bit of an overreach. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. And so I think we're going to have to get away. And again, maybe he might be the best counselor we ever had in 100 years. I don't know. That time will tell. But right now, popul- this has become a popularity context and not and not what is your platform. And I think what's got to shift in our municipal politics is we're going to have to have people running on platforms. So you're going to have to be able to. You're going to be, you have to attach yourself to somewhere on the political spectrum and curve. You know, you're either going to be right or left leaning or, or, or center or extremist, you know, and I'm, I'm in all honesty, like, like we're going to have to start figuring out, you know, who is who, because right now it's very hard to sort through and, and livable Kelowna to their credit has gone and said, Hey, it's kind of, kind of like what, it, what happened, you know, eight years ago. Um, I would With say it's for change. Yeah. yeah, dif- yeah. Different bent. Oh. I think for change. <laughs> so fundamentally. Yeah. Fundamentally different bent. Yeah. Um, but at least they've gone and given a place for people to, to hear the answers of, of, of the candidates. Now they put their own spin on it. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that they've, they've let the candidates answer the questions mm-hmm. and then they're, they're giving recommendations, which is what for change did too, actually. Now that I think about it, but, um, to me, that that shouldn't be a group of people that just decided collectively to get together. Mm-hmm. I think we've got to we've got to probably form parties, and we've got to get people tone the line and and start talking about what this is going to look like. Uh, my only issue is uh, I think there's at last count, and I, I haven't the 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 most recent data, but forty six people are vying for councillor seats. Is that what it ended up? I thought it, yeah, very and, and, very plausibly, and that just it's like that is. Uh, the volume of information and data that is produced by that amount of candidates, it would be almost impossible, a part-time job, to figure out who stands for what, who's actually got a shot. And and again, I'm not saying, you know, it's a free country, you should be able to run. But I think at some point, man, I, I don't know, like 46 people fundamentally maybe three or four seats. So again, what I think this is though the key to this is if it gets – if you attach to a party, and again, people could argue this isn't that that this is the challenge with our democracy. In fact, some days I would argue it. But again, if you vet it down to a party where a party says we're going to run these eight candidates, mm-hmm. and we, you know, the, the others can run as independents. But again, I think uh, you know whether you're what you know whether whether you're calling them liberal, conservative, for change, you know, new co. It doesn't matter. I just think we've got to come to a core understanding of this is the platform of these candidates. And th- and this is what their plan is for the city, um, and you know three might get in and four might get in from one other side, and that's the majority. Like, will they vote together? Do they have to? And then you just ask the question: Do you have to tow party lines? You know, or can you can you break off? Um, at least I think for us to get a better sense, because I a lot of people talk about they don't even know where to start, right? <laughs> and and they, the other thing too, I think, is people overweight 
the mayor, who, who for the record has one vote, when push comes to shove, actually holds the same weight as any other candidate um, running running for council. It's it's but it's a figurehead position with a full time job and a and a and a salary. I mean, when it actually comes to the vote, there's no more weight in that chair than there is any other chair. It's true, and yeah. I think that's a part people don't understand. They get very caught up in this race, you know, of Tom and Colin and Dave, and I'm like, who? Not that I don't care. I'm just saying it's one seat. Yeah, you need to be worried about that on on all the seats. Yeah, not not just the one, right? Well, I think uh, next time we're we're doing the big show here, we'll uh, we'll have more data. Damn it, are we done? I, I'm afraid so. Yeah. Listen, listen, we got to shut her down. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Rick and Friends, and uh, and again, I got to thank my good friend here, uh, Jeff Cox, for just throwing his his analytical mind at all these.